0: Watchers of Bible prophecy have had their eyes focused on one special section of the old city walls of Jerusalem. I'm speaking about the Golden Gate, also known as the Eastern Gate of the city. And I believe it's no coincidence that this Golden Eastern Gate has been in the news recently because God Himself is allowing current events to point clearly to the return of Jesus to Jerusalem. And His return is connected to this particular gate. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God set His approval upon and installed His Son on the holy hill of Zion. And throughout history, usurpers have clamored for what belongs to Him. Yet the Bible says, the Lord will return and set up rule. Civilization is just incapable of evolving into utopia. We need the rule of His Majesty King Jesus. The question is, are we like the children of Issachar mentioned in the Bible who understood the times? Are we eagerly looking for what the Bible calls our blessed hope, the return of Jesus? This world needs Jesus to return more than ever. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. Jerusalem's East Gate, also called the Golden Gate, associated with the glory of God, was recently stormed by Muslims who wanted to take over the interior areas of worship associated with the gate on the Temple Mount complex. I believe this news was yet another birth pain of the Messiah, another sign that Jesus is coming soon. The Bible says that Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations will be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord in Jerusalem. That's a prophecy in Jeremiah 3.17, and the nations will cease to follow the stubbornness of their own hearts. Jerusalem will no longer be considered simply as the center of Jewish devotion, but the holy city, not Rome, and not any other religious capital. Jerusalem shall be the throne of the King of Kings. And Psalm 48 in the Bible admonishes us to walk about Zion and to count her towers, to consider well her ramparts, and view her citadels. The old city of Jerusalem is indeed surrounded by a beautiful wall to behold, built in the early 16th century by the Turkish Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent. And today it has eight gates. Seven of them lead to the markets, the holy sites, and the Jewish, Christian, Armenian, and Muslim quarters. Moving counterclockwise from the Lion's Gate, there's Herod's Gate, then the dramatic Damascus Gate, followed by the New Gate, and Jaffa Gate, facing west, which in many ways is considered the gateway, the front door of the old city of Jerusalem, Then on to the Zion Gate on Mount Zion, the Dung Gate leading into the Western Wall Plaza, and finally, the glorious East Gate facing the Mount of Olives. The East Gate is completely walled up and sealed shut. It's one of the few sealed gates in Jerusalem's old city walls, along with the Hulda Gates, which are also sealed. The East Gate, also called the Golden Gate, features beautiful double arches. Commentators see the ceiling of the East Gate as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Also, it's the gate that would give the most direct access to the Temple Mount where the Jewish temples once stood. When Jesus entered Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, He used a gate near the same location as the current Eastern or Golden Gate. About 500 years ago, this majestic Golden Gate was sealed by Suleiman to prevent the entrance of the Jewish Messiah through this gate as foretold in the Hebrew Bible, as if anybody could stop God's man from entering through that gate. Jewish literature prophesies that when the nation's promised Messianic Deliverer arrives, he will enter Jerusalem through the East Gate. But the Turkish Ottomans also landscaped a Muslim cemetery directly in front of the gate, in a ploy to desecrate the ground with the hope of repelling the Jewish people and their Messiah. This gate is also called in Hebrew the gate of mercy because of its proximity to God's Holy of Holies and to the Lord's mercy seat. Jews prayed opposite this gate before proceeding to ask God for His mercy. To this day, it remains one of the most important places for Jewish prayer and it's considered to be a threshold between heaven and earth. The Golden Gate, as it's called in Christian literature, is the only Eastern Gate of the Temple Mount. And as I said, its Hebrew name, Sha'ar HaRachamim, means the gate of mercy. But in Hebrew, mercy is plural here. The gate of mercies. I like that because the Scriptures testify that God is plenteous in mercy. In Arabic, this gate is also known as the Golden Gate, Bab al-Zahabi. And another Arabic name is the Gate of Eternal Life. That's beautiful because everything points to Jesus, and He told us that He's the gate to eternal life. Additionally, each of the two doors of the double gate has its own name the Gate of Mercy, and the Gate of Repentance. According to the Bible, the Shekinah, a word denoting the Divine Presence of God, used to appear through the East Gate, and according to Ezekiel 44, the Shekinah, the Shekinah, will appear again when the Anointed One, Messiah, comes. So, Suleiman the Magnificent was way too late in trying to wall out Messiah because around 30 A.D., Long before He blocked the present gate, the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem through an eastern gate that's probably located directly below our present gate, because it's located directly on top of an earlier gate. That gate Nehemiah probably built, and possibly dating to the time of Solomon, it's underground, as documented in 1969 by archaeologist James Fleming. Fleming described how he visited the East Gate after a heavy rainstorm. Suddenly, the soaked ground sank and Fleming fell into a grave. He took photographs of the top of the gate below. So it was through a lower gate that Jesus would have entered Jerusalem. Think of that significance, because the East Gate was the most important gate of the Temple Mount. Some say this gate was not used by the masses to enter the Temple Mount, but was reserved only for the high priest and his entourage when leading out the red heifer to be sacrificed on the Mount of Olives, or leading out the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement into the Judean wilderness. Well, as Jesus descended the Mount of Olives riding on a humble donkey, in fulfillment of a specific prophecy found in Zechariah 9 and 9, The multitude of disciples began to rejoice and loudly praise God for all the miracles they had seen, and they shouted, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. But some of the Pharisees in the crowd admonished Jesus, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered, I tell you, if they remain silent, the very stones will cry out. And then as Jesus approached nearer to where the east gate stands, he wept over Jerusalem and said, If only you had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. And looking ahead prophetically, Jesus lamented, for he saw that Jerusalem's enemies would barricade the city and surround the city on every side. He wept because he saw Jerusalem leveled to the ground by the Romans in 70 A.D. He said they'll not leave one stone on top of another, because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation from God. Then Jesus entered the temple courts and began to drive out the merchants. This was because money changers made extortionist profits at the expense of the pilgrims, and some of them were very poor. Ironically, Jesus declared what so many sincere Orthodox Jews are saying today concerning the occupiers of the Temple Mount. He said, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus said he would not be seen again until Jerusalem acknowledges him as Messiah. And Matthew's gospel records his prophecy in chapter 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone them sent to you. How often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, You shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Because Jesus passed through a gate to enter the temple complex, the east golden gate is also sometimes called the triumphant entry gate or the Hosanna gate. And John 12 records the scene. A great multitude that had come to the Passover festival took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet Jesus shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Furthermore, Bible scholars connect prophecies about the East Gate with the return of the Lord. You see, the Bible records in Acts chapter 1 that after the resurrection of Jesus, two men dressed in white garments, sometimes described as angels, stood with the disciples and witnessed Jesus ascending into the clouds to heaven. Then the two mysterious witnesses reassured the disciples that Jesus will return to the earth in the same manner that he was taken up. Therefore, Bible scholars say that Jesus will specifically return to the Mount of Olives. And many scholars connect his return with a prophecy found in Ezekiel 43, where Ezekiel saw the glory of God returning to the temple through the gate facing east. And he saw the glory of the Lord once again filling the temple. However, in Ezekiel chapter 44, Ezekiel prophesied the shutting of the east gate itself. But first of all, back in Ezekiel chapter 10, the prophet had seen the glory of the Lord departing from the temple through the east gate, but it is also through the east gate that his glory will return. In chapter 43, Ezekiel prophesied that Messiah would bring back the glory through this gate. Ezekiel wrote, afterward, I was brought to the gate that faces toward the east and behold, The glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. And Ezekiel said, I fell on my face, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate facing east. Therefore, the east gate should also be called the glory gate because of its association with God's Shekinah glory. But in the next chapter, Ezekiel 44, the prophet recorded a vision in which he was brought to the east gate and it was shut. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, this gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened, and no man shall enter into it because the Lord, the God of Israel has entered in by it. Therefore, it shall be shut. It is for the prince. This is a messianic reference. In the last century, there were Two failed attempts, by the way, to boldly open the Eastern Gate. I discovered the following quotes from a book by Grant Jeffrey called Heaven, the Last Frontier. The first attempt to unseal the gate was reportedly on December 9, 1917, when the Muslim leader on the Temple Mount, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, tried to open this gate. The Mufti had ordered other gates to Jerusalem to be barricaded to deter the approaching Allied forces led by British General Allenby. But the Grand Mufti needed one strategic gate to be opened, so he reportedly ordered his workmen to open the mysterious sealed East Gate. But a Royal Air Force biplane flew over the city just at that moment, and the Arab workers fled from the project, dropping their sledgehammers. Miraculously, without a shot being fired, Turkish soldiers occupying Jerusalem abandoned the city. And the next attempt to open the gate was reportedly later when the late King Hussein of Jordan had control over the old city, including the Temple Mount between 1948 and 1967. To help Muslims reach the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the king ordered his workmen to open the eastern gate. But during this time, Arabs were also preparing to attack and try to destroy Israel. On the 5th of June, 1967, as workmen prepared to shatter through the East Gate, Israeli aircraft flew overhead, the six-day war had begun, and the workmen once again dropped their tools and stopped work. So the gate, whether it's the gate directly underground or the one clearly visible, is going to stay shut until Messiah returns. Meanwhile, the other side of the East Gate is fascinating. The Ottoman Turks transformed the walled up gate into a watchtower. From the inside, on the ground floor level, there's a vaulted hall resembling a chapel, and an upper room has two roof domes. Prophetically speaking, it's no accident or coincidence that this area of the Temple Mount is being shaken again in the news. In 2003, access to the east gate from within the Temple Mount complex was stopped by Israeli officials in opposition to Muslim construction plans. The gate was kept closed from the inside to stop what they were calling illegal construction work. The Jews feared the destruction of evidence of Jewish antiquities and Jewish presence on the Mount. But earlier this year Muslims defiantly broke through the interior gates that lead up to the east gate's exterior wall. However, the exterior of the gate itself still remains sealed. Muslims declared victory by crashing through the interior gates and shouting religious slogans. This is because they consider this whole area belongs only to them. Muslim authorities refuse to allow Jews and Christians to pray in the area. But the Bible does teach in Zechariah 14.4 that one day soon, the Messiah's feet will touch down once again on the Mount of Olives? And how will he enter the sealed gate? Well, many Bible scholars believe a great earthquake will open up the east gate and Jesus will proceed through it to set up his government and occupy the throne of his ancestral father, David. From the Bible, we learn that this gate is indeed the Messiah's gate. It belongs to the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew prophet Ezekiel wrote that, This is the gate through which the world's prince and redeemer will enter Jerusalem. Jesus will bring healing and righteousness to this world. It's also worthy of note that the east gate is associated with the beautiful gate mentioned in Acts chapter 3. The beautiful gate was a very ornate gate located just inside the east gate, and it's where the apostles healed a lame man. In Acts 3, Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer, And a certain man who had been lame from birth was a fixture at the beautiful gate. He begged them for money. Peter said, Look at us, silver or gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And taking him by the right hand, Peter helped the man up, and at once his feet and ankles were strengthened. Walking and leaping and praising God, he went with Peter and John into the temple courts. And everybody recognized him as the man who was that fixture who used to beg at the beautiful gate. And they were filled with wonder. Then in Solomon's colonnade, Peter preached, Men of Israel, why are you so surprised by this? Do you think that our own power or godliness made this man walk? No, he said, it was the... God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorifying his servant Jesus, because he said it is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this man's complete healing in your presence. Hallelujah. So this area of the East Gate is a place of mercy and healing as well. I also learned in my research this week that in Christian apocryphal writings, the East Gate was the scene of the meeting between the parents of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The maternal grandparents of Jesus were Saints Joachim and Anne. Their meeting at the East Gate became a standard episode in depicting the life of the Virgin Mary. Her parents came to represent the Christian ideal of chastity in marriage, and the custom of a bridegroom carrying his bride over the threshold of their marital home may be based on the meeting of Joachim and Anne here at the threshold of God. Not too far from the East Gate and Lions Gate is the church of St. Anne in the Muslim Quarter. The church was erected over the site believed to be the childhood home of Mary. And the church is dedicated to Mary's parents. Well, when it's all said and done, some Bible scholars surmise that the East Gate of Ezekiel 44 will be part of the future millennial temple complex, and so from that perspective, the East Gate is yet to be built. One of my Orthodox Jewish friends told me that many rabbis and sages see the East Gate as an area where heaven and earth meet. I told him that sounds to me like the biblical account of Bethel, where the Jewish patriarch Jacob slept and where he dreamed of a ladder stretching between heaven and earth. With angels ascending and descending upon it. And my Orthodox friend said that, in fact, many rabbis believe the Temple Mount in the East Gate was Bethel, the place of the open heaven. Interesting. Well, for sure, when it comes to Bible prophecy, we can't be dogmatic about the future, but we can acknowledge that because the East Gate is once again in the news, I believe it's a wake-up call to alert watchmen who are looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord. On that point, we can be certain Jesus is coming soon. For a number of years, our ministry featured on our website a 24-7 camera that we called Messiah Cam that watched the East Gate and the Temple Mount. We did this as a focus for 24-7 prayer over the most controversial real estate in the world. We invited watchers around the world to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we also purposed to call attention to the doctrine of the Second Coming. We first put a camera on the Golden Gate when our ministry center was located in the only house on the Temple Mount, directly below the East Gate. We rented the house from the Orthodox Church, and eventually we had to move Messiah Chem to the top of the Mount of Olives, but eventually also our camera view was obstructed by apartment buildings being constructed on the Mount of Olives. So for a number of years, we enjoyed giving believers access 24-7 to watch and pray for the coming of Jesus. We know that the Bible tells us that every eye will behold him, but having Messiah come at least gave us an opportunity to preach the important doctrine of the second coming of Jesus. Make no mistake about it. As Israel is taking center stage in the last days, All other nations will either support or oppose the plan of God. The center of the earth is Israel, the center of Israel is Jerusalem, and the center of Jerusalem is the Temple Mount, where the Temple of God once stood and where the Eastern Gate is a pivotal symbol of the coming King. That's why all the world leaders today, both spiritual and political, are either united or divided over the sensitive issues that seem to be taking place on a daily basis on the Temple Mount. It indeed is the hottest real estate on earth. But thankfully, someday soon, the now-sealed East Gate will be open. It will break forth in praises as the King of Glory returns to the Holy City. And I believe Psalm 24 beautifully and powerfully addresses this prophetic event. And that's why Psalm 24 is perhaps my favorite chorus that we sing in our Jerusalem prayer conferences. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory, it says, shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. There's also a hymn about the East Gate written by Isaiah Martin called, We'll meet inside the eastern gate, and I want to share it with you. It goes like this. I'll meet you in the morning just inside the eastern gate. Then be ready, faithful pilgrim, lest with you it be too late. I'll meet you, I'll meet you just inside the eastern gate over there. I'll meet you in the morning over there. If you hasten off to glory, linger near the eastern gate, for I'm coming in the morning you'll not have long to wait. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning, for the bridegroom watch and wait. He'll be with us at the meeting just inside the Eastern Gate. Oh, the joys of that happy meeting just inside the Eastern Gate. It's my desire to meet all of you in eternity inside the gates of the Holy City, the New Jerusalem, And so I encourage you to do what you must do while there's still time. And that's to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, Yeshua. And the Bible promises you shall be saved. Amen. And in the meantime, I invite you to join us in conversation through the social media. You can also visit our website anytime at exploits.tv to watch our free video library and also to sign up for our free newsletter, Exploits based upon Daniel 11.32, which says that the people who do know their God will be strong and will take action doing exploits. It's our duty to know God in His ways, and we have to stay strong and built up in the Word and praying in the Spirit. And so until next time, or until we meet inside the Eastern Gate on one of our prayer tours to Israel, or in eternity to come, I'm Christine Darg, Contending for the faith and praying always for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom and Maranatha.